welcome everybody to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am worked up and excited to have you here today and ready to tell you about today's show. Today we are talking about prenups. Does to do mean I don't? Do I really need a prenup? Do they really work? What's the best way to protect oneself? We're going to join my guest, attorney Michael Brown, friend to the show and previous sponsor to our show, to see if you are checking all the boxes before getting married. Um, before we hop on to that topic, if you happen to have missed last week's show, we were talking about regaining your manhood. Is she gaining the upper hand? What can you say to reclaim that you are the top dog in the relationship? Also, we, we talked about things that make a man look weak. So if you happen to miss happen to have missed last week's show, so easy to check it out. You can use my brand new mobile app. Now it's available for the Android users as well. Thank you for being patient. So it's available on uh, for Android and iOS users. So just uh, go to the Men's Advocate Show or type in Linda Gross and it should in the search box and it should come right up for you. Um, aside from this, if you are are listening on your computer, you can uh, go to SoundCloud. Our, our on-demand on library is on SoundCloud. So easy to find. You just go to SoundCloud, the Men's Advocate, um, and then it, it should pull it right up for you. Okay? So Google SoundCloud, the Men's Advocate, and it should pull it up. Also, we're available on the TuneIn app. Uh, and you can listen on demand to any and all of my archive shows. All right. So let's move forward. Let, let us, uh, bring on my guest, Michael W. Brown. He's a transactional attorney in California who has practiced family law, wills and trusts, and business matters for over 30 years. You're going to want to write this number down, 949-636-8128, or easy enough, you can get uh, access him through his website, mwb, short for Michael W. Brown, dash law, Net. And don't worry, I'm going to put these links on my Facebook fan page so you'll have them at the ready if you uh, want to access, if you want access to it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit like page on my Facebook fan page. So easy, same name as the show, The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross, and go in the upper right-hand corner, hit like page, hit it a second time to allow notifications, and once a week you will be delivered, you'll be notified with regard to what the topic is, who the guests are, and then after the show, if I have any uh, relevant links, etc., that we talk about on the show, I post them, you know, for your convenience. All right, so let's hop into it. What are we talking about today? I've been reading in the news just in the last week or so that marriage rates among the millennials are lower than any other generation. Okay, so we've been seeing that trend. That's nothing new. But here's the new trend that we are seeing, and that's getting hitched later in life could mean that there are more assets to protect after wedded bliss. So attorneys are drafting more prenups for the 18 to 35-year-olds than ever before. Across the board, 62% of the lawyers polled have seen an increase in the total amount of clients who, who are seeking prenups during the last three years. That represents a five-fold increase in prenuptial agreements over the past 20 years. Wow, that's kind of an explosion. <laughs> a good uh, area of the law to be in at this point, I, I would guess. In part, because of their financial obligations, nearly one-third of millennials say they were putting off getting married, and 38% say uh, that they are postponing having children. Wow, that's, that's a kicker right there. According to TD, uh, a Meritrade survey released last year that comprised 1,000 adults aged 18 and older. 
So the millennials are proactively choosing to make such significant sacrifices for career advancement. According to the new survey by Wakefield Research, a corporate relocation service, about 71% would be willing to postpone marriage and 72% would be willing to delay having children to relocate for a job in a desired location. Wow, those numbers are astounding. Uh, The top three areas most commonly covered by the marriage contracts were... The protection of the increase in value of separate property followed by inheritance rights. And we'll ask Michael a little bit more to define these terms so we can put them in plain English. And thirdly, community property division. My, oh my. Let's hop into our juicy topic here with attorney Michael W. Brown. Welcome, Michael, to the show. Thank you so much, Linda. It's good to be back. Yay. All right. So what do you think of all all this explosion with uh, prenuptial activity these days? Well, it is a sign of the times where people are are just becoming much more cautious and pragmatic about uh, their emotional relationships. And to some extent, it's a very good thing. Uh, but, you know, you always sort of wonder whether or not uh, it becomes too much of a business relationship instead of really a loving and supportive relationship uh, to go the long term. I think one of the interesting aspects, too, is, is that what you're also seeing out there is a lot more contracts being entered into by people who have no intention of ever getting married. They plan wow. to co-ho- cohabitate. And because of the decision back in the 70s, Marvin versus Marvin, uh, which implied a a contract uh, of two people living together uh, and whether or not there was an obligation to take care of the person for the rest of their life, um, it is another area of law that is booming as well, is that people don't want that legal commitment. Uh, and yet they want to live together, and then there are concerns about things like promises made during that cohabitation, certain understandings, etc., that should the cohabitation cease, uh, whether or not those representations or promises are now enforceable. Hmm. So what is that contract called? Is that called like a habitation agreement or let's say you're you're really not intending to get married and like you say it's the anti of marvin versus marvin yeah we we would call it a cohabitation agreement gotcha for those of you um <laughs> who are not from the last decade uh marvin versus marvin was a uh, precedent setting case where um the the female in the situation lived in a living arrangement with Marvin, Lee Marvin, who was an act, well-known actor at the time, for 10 years. So it was assumed that even though they were never married, that she should have, uh, she should have been afforded all the same rights as a wife. And she supposedly forfeited her successful acting career um, to be with Lee Marvin, you know, the, the person that she was filing the lawsuit against. Um, yeah, so that that's what that is. So I guess, you know, here we are decades later and people are still worried that even though we're, you know, the couple is not married, that they might be on the hook just, just the same. Yes, the, the interesting aspect of that case, real, just briefly, is that when uh, Michelle Triola uh, sued, she sued under a punitive spouse, uh, which is basically an old uh, theory of you live together as husband and wife after a certain period of time, uh, the law deems you to be man and wife and will treat you like a marriage. And at the time, the Supreme Court said, sorry, uh, that's an archaic theory. It doesn't work. However, uh, we do believe that two people can contract uh, to cohabitate. And if she agreed to give up her career in order to be supportive of him in exchange for his promise to take care of her, they said that is a straight out-and-out contract. And so they allowed that 
part of the case to go forward. And it was shortly after that that we started to see a strong rise in the amount of prenuptial agreements and cohabitation agreements. Hmm. All right, let's talk a little bit more about this subject. If you have just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. We are on with my guest today, Attorney Michael W. Brown. We are talking about prenups. Does to do mean I don't. So let's examine um, what a prenup is specifically, and uh, we'll catch you right back after the break. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women, too. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with The Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross. On KMET, 1490 AM, Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we are talking about prenups. You're on with my guest, Attorney Michael W. Brown. By the way, if you want to call in on this topic, um, please do so at 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. 32 and those of you who have downloaded my new mobile app go to the listen live section and there's a button there that you can hit call now so anytime during our show you can hit that button and call us and speak to us live i want to make sure that that button works so i'm waiting for one of you guys to use that button and uh call now and if you do even if you're not even going to talk about today's topic just say i use the button and I'll be happy to send you a copy of my new business book um, called The Sea Factor. Okay, so that's waiting for you. Let's 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 do this. All right, let let me circle back to Michael. Michael, tell us what exactly is a prenup, and what are some of the common terms that the general public needs to know uh, when preparing such a document? Well, a pre- <clears throat> excuse me, a prenuptial agreement is a contract just like any other contract for services or products or anything that sets forth what the party's intent is prior to entering into the marriage contract and they want to expressly state what their expectations are should the marriage not last. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people actually attempt to put in provisions that govern and guide the marriage. Uh, meaning that if uh, they do get married, that under the prenup agreement that one party agrees to do X, Y, and Z um, during the marriage, Uh, not just the division of property or responsibilities uh, should it terminate. So you've seen some areas of expansion. Now the courts are somewhat reluctant uh, to expand that too far. Uh, But basically, it's a way of setting forth what happens should the worst happen. And in order to really understand it, you've got to understand what a prenup can and can't cover. 
uh, what a prenup can cover is how property will be viewed, used, and divided upon the termination of the marriage. In general, separate property before marriage maintains its character throughout the marriage and will remain your separate property. There are a few uh, exceptions, nuances, etc. If you co-mingle, if you make a gift of it, things of that nature. But uh, in most cases, prenuptial agreements will address those as being the sole exclusive property of the person who had it prior to marriage. Uh, separate property would also include inheritance, also personal injury uh, awards. If you were in a car accident and your back was injured and you received a lump sum settlement, that would be deemed your personal property as well. And then it also addresses, of course, community property. And community property is generally defined as any property acquired during the term of the marriage. And so you generally want to address how that will be divided should the marriage terminate. Right. I think um, commingling is a concept that a lot of people don't know about and could get themselves in hundreds of thousands of dollars of pain if they don't follow the rules accordingly. So what that means is, let's say Aunt Tilly died and she left you $200,000 and all of this occurred before marriage. Um, if the person uh, purposefully decides to leave that money in a separate account or turn that asset with a separate, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, I can't think of the word now. Anyway, like a se separate instrument, I should say. Uh, then all is well and good, and that will remain yours. So a separate instrument means that if you then buy a piece of property with that $200,000, you're going to have to ask your spouse to sign what's called a quitclaim deed, which means that I'm waiving my rights to this property because, you know, the, the proceeds of this property came from Aunt Tilly's in, inheritance. So if you take those steps to protect yourself, all is good. So here's, here's a couple of ways you're going to get in trouble that a lot of people don't know about. The minute you start commingling those funds, all bets are off, and later down the line, should you get divorced, you now need to divide that asset 50-50. So what that means is if you decided not to have a separate bank account and you put them in your married joint bank account, deals, the deal is off. Or if you bought the subsequent property and you didn't get the spouse to sign a, a quick claim deed, again, that means that your intent is to enter into this property jointly of which, you know, it's going to commingle and that, that's that's the test of the law. Correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Michael, on that. No, you're, you're fairly accurate on that. A uh, couple of things to note is that uh, sometimes uh, one spouse may make a loan to the community. For instance, if uh, you inherited from Aunt Emma your $200,000, you get married, you decide mm -hmm. to buy a house, but you don't have a down payment you can use your separate property as long as you document it as such as a loan to the community to be repaid either upon the sale of the house or through part of the monthly payments. Um, so there are ways to co-mingle but yet keep the character of separate property. Um, what really happens is, is when people start putting things together, mm -hmm. sharing title, uh, allowing things to be drawn and withdrawn from accounts without any type of record. That's where it gets fuzzy, and at the time of a termination, I guarantee you the other spouse is going to claim that that was intended as a gift to the community, and it was always believed to be community, and you will have a very difficult time trying to establish that it maintained the character of separate property. Right, mm -hmm. absolutely. And if you have... Um, purchase this new property, let's say, with Aunt Tilly's money. And let's say down the line, you know, the property taxes are due, so you're, you're writing a check from the, from the joint account. Or let's say, 
I don't know, there was some plumbing issue and that cost you $5,000, but you, you took that money possibly from the joint account, you're going to run into trouble as well. I think the way to protect yourself in those instances is if you lay out the paperwork. Is that correct, Michael? Just like you were saying um, that this is the intent and the end result is, you know, the the, uh, the single partner is going to pay the joint account back. Th- that is correct. And this this happens quite commonly in situations, especially as people are getting are older when they get married. One of them may own a house. They purchased it prior to marriage and the other one moves in and they get mm-hmm. married. And then even if the individual who owned the house uh, continues to make the payment from his or her uh, uh, sole salary, uh, the salary, once they get married, becomes community funds. So they are now paying their mortgage with community funds. Right. Yes. In general, courts will allow them to pay um, the, uh, the community back. But like you said, in order to avoid any possible confusion, you definitely want to document this beforehand. Absolutely. All righty. So do you think that getting a prenup means that your fiancé just doesn't trust you? Uh, it depends. Uh, and it depends. Yeah, good lawyer answer. It depends on the nature and character of the property that the person has, or what concerns they have. You know, some people come from multiple, uh, or families that have had multiple divorces, and they may have gone through situations where they were broke on the street or whatever because of inequitable division of the property, and so they may have a very uh, soft spot when it comes to uh, concerns about a marriage not lasting. Uh, Others may have some very, very, uh, I guess, precious memories to certain property that they Mm -hmm. don't want to make subject to. Uh, Many times parents will, you know, put money in trust and they want this money to be used only for their daughter or their grandkids, but not to be divided up, it should the daughter divorce his or her, uh, her husband. So uh, you really have to look at the reason why uh, the person's looking for it. It isn't necessarily a lack of trust. Um, as I always tell everyone prior to entering into a contract or prior to entering into a business is, yes, you like each other now, but we have to prepare for that time when you don't like each other. And all these things you agree to now will be forgotten at the time when there's animosity between the two of you. And that's what a prenup is really focused on. It's when calm heads prevail, let's talk about it, speak about it rationally, and decide on how it should be done, as opposed to a situation where you're splitting up the property and one party just really wants to hurt the other party, uh, whether it's due to infidelity, uh, whatever the reason. Yeah, you you mentioned a little bit about inheritance inheritance rights, and I guess these are, you know, the grandparents want to protect their <laughs> rights. So what that means is, as I was mentioning at the top of the hour, that's one of the three most common reasons why uh, young people today are getting prenups. So let's say the grandparents. Um, you know, pass away, now the husband and wife inherit that. And if the husband and wife inherit it, she gets 50%. But say at a later date, she now marries husband number two. Well, she's going to take, you know, all those assets with her. So I think what the grandparents are saying is that wealth should stay within the family line and make sure that it goes to you know, the the natural grandkids, not, you know, with the new husband, with new husband number two. So explain a little bit about that. Why would they, uh, you know, this is one of the top three reasons why um, millennials are getting prenups. So explain a little bit more about how that would work. Well, this is really motivated primarily by the parents. 
Um, I've done uh, a few trusts where the parents are very, very intricate with regards to the fact that they want to provide this trust money for the support of their child and their child's children and spouse as long as they're still a family unit. But they want to make it very clear that the child cannot gift or in any way um, devise or give to the other party any part of their trust. And that happens. Trust me, that, that, that does happen where a child will inherit, get a trust, and start uh, dividing it up with their spouse. And then two or three years later, uh, things go south, they decide to separate, and that spouse tries to recover the money from the trust. And they have a very hard, difficult time, if they can do it, to retrieve it. So estate planning also wraps into the concept of prenup agreements. So would that be a completely different instrument? I mean, would we call that a trust and not a a prenuptial agreement, correct? Yes. But you would want to acknowledge it and or address it in the prenup. Uh, You can state things like, you know, uh, the other party gives up any and all rights and any interest to any income or property distribution from any trust uh, designated to the other spouse. Gotcha. Sort of like covering your basis to mention it in both instruments. Absolutely. Very good. All righty. If you have just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. We welcome you to call our program today. Our phone number is 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. We are talking about prenups. When we come back from the break, let's talk about the pitfalls, like what items do not get upheld in court like what are they going to strike down and strike out of your prenup and you know if you really need to have that clause in there how can you protect yourself to make sure it sticks so we'll catch you right back after the break we're going to talk about these items that get stricken out you just want to escape the world and you know just the place to do it round up your mates and head over to henson brewing company burbank's premier craft brewery quality complexity and always easy to drink Follow our progress and support us on Facebook and Kickstarter. Coming summer 2017. Henson Brewing Company. Come as you Hi guys, you've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, real truth about women that'll change your life forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and, if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Now back to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM. Where men can be men. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we are talking about prenups. Does to do 
mean I don't. All right, so call us now. Use my new mobile apps, both on the iOS, uh, both on iTunes as well as the Google Talk um, Google Talk Store. So uh, look them up, download them. Make sure it's nice and easy on your phone for you to call in. Otherwise, call call us at nine five one nine two two thirty five thirty two. Again, that number is nine five one nine two two thirty five. 32. I want to thank my um, listener, George, for suggesting for suggesting this topic. You, too, can send me a private message on Facebook and recommend that I bring on a certain guest or have a, to talk about a certain topic, and uh, you'll get a shout-out as well. All right? So make sure you do that. Okay. So let's get back to it. What, Michael, what are areas that don't get um, upheld in court? What items get stricken? And is there a way around this? Can the clause be made a little sturdier to where it doesn't get stricken? Okay. Excellent question because the last thing you want to do is enter into an agreement that you find out 10 years later uh, is not going to be enforceable as the parties intended. Um, There are probably about seven or eight primary areas that I'd like to discuss uh, with individuals who are considering a prenup. And the first is, is you want to make sure that you have legal representation, independent legal representation, which means both parties have their own attorneys. Uh, so many people try and save a buck, which I understand. Attorneys are expensive, especially in a highly specialized area such as family law. But I can tell you that courts love to set aside prenup agreements where one or both parties do not have an attorney. And probably the most famous or infamous case was the fact that Steven Spielberg and his first wife, Amy Irving, uh, did their own prenup without the benefit of any attorneys. And it was thrown out by the court, and Spielberg was ordered to pay his ex-wife approximately $100 million. Wow. So this... Yeah, this this Tucker's has such a smart man and or his lawyers <laughs> advise anything but this. Wow. Well, well, you love this because they sort of followed the Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis Presley. Their prenup was actually written on a napkin. Wow. Can you believe it? It ain't your 1966 anymore. <laughs> no, I, I, it isn't. But wow. this 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 folds into this whole concept of undue influence and duress. Um, The one thing you want, why you have independent representation is you want to avoid any provision being thrown out because uh, there was undue influence or duress on a party's part. Uh, Prime case, uh, a gentleman uh, put a prenup in front of his uh, future wife's, uh, you know, in front of her six days before the marriage. Okay, Mm -hmm. and basically said, you sign it or I'm not marrying you. And she had a visa and she had to get married in order not to be uh, deported. Wow. So uh, the court threw that out as well. Um, She was because she was under duress, under duress. She felt she had no other option. And and so uh, you want to make sure that, number one, the person has independent counsel. Too, that they're not under any undue pressure. Uh, and you also want to make sure that it's not too close to the wedding. Generally, if you're about three months beforehand, you're going to be fine. But I always say try and get it done before you send that first invitation out. Because once that invitation is sent out, it's a public acknowledgement. And sometimes people feel undue pressure to follow through with something that they've told their friends, their families are going to do. And they will ultimately end up signing something that may not be in their best interest. Another primary area that gets a lot of people into problems and they can lose the entire uh, prenup is is if they fail to disclose. Uh, If you have certain assets that you consider your separate property and so therefore it will never be under the – in the community and you don't tell them and they find out later – during a divorce proceeding, that can impact your ability to enforce that. 
because the court will then look at you and say, well, first of all, it sounds like he's a very or she's a very deceptive person. Second of all, it sounds like she has more money than uh, she said, and that could have changed how it was negotiated because oh. the person didn't fully disclose. So, uh, again, you need to be completely honest. You don't want anything to show up at the at the 12th hour that would cause the entire agreement to be thrown out. Um, Linda, you and I spoke uh, earlier about this. Child support provisions. While you can discuss them, um, prenups generally are not enforceable against uh, either parent for child support because courts will always act as what's in the best interest of the child. Some courts get so ticked off if people try and put it in, they'll throw out the agreement anyway. Hmm. So depending on which judge you have, um, you're probably not going to be persuasive with regards to any child support provision. It's my recommendation you don't put those in there. Okay. Now that's okay. child support as opposed to um, other alimony and other types of support. Right. Okay. Right. Now, another thing is you want to make sure it's not unconscionable. And unconscionable is one of those weird lawyer terms that you know it when you see it. In other words, mm -hmm. in other words, whenever the judge decides it is. So if you have a prenup agreement that says during the marriage, this person will do all the laundry or all the grocery shopping or will have sex with me three times a week. Those are areas that the court will probably find unconscionable. And you can lose, you run the risk of losing the enforceability of the entire contract. Hmm. So why you may desire to cover every aspect, some aspects just shouldn't be addressed because they will, quote unquote, shock the conscience of the court. Now, if we roll the clock back to a thousand years ago, you know, with the, the monarchy in England, one of the main jobs of the spouse is to produce an heir. So if somebody's not having sex and there's no heir that's forthcoming, that's automatic grounds for annulment. I mean, that's part of their their code, actually. So uh -huh. um, I keep hearing routinely that current guys are writing into the contract about sex that she can't just arbitrarily cut the sex off. So how, how does that work? You can put that clause in there or you cannot put that clause in there? Well, you can you can put the clause in there, but the question as to whether or not the clause is unconscionable mm -hmm. will be uh, decided by the court. So if you say, you know, uh, the parties will continue to have normal marital relations uh, during the term of the marriage, which will be upon mutual agreement no less than, you know, two or three times a year or six times a year or whatever, um, that might be enforceable. But the more you are specific about it, if right. you say every Tuesday night and I want to use a trapeze and I want, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um you're going to run into a very, very gray area that is going to be very difficult. Got it. All right. What about, um, I know there's a lot of actresses these days that are putting in the clause about infidelity. That if, if uh, you know, Justin Timberlake cheats on Jessica Biel, in fact, it was in her prenup, uh, then XYZ is going to happen. That's I right. Don't you, I don't know if she gets a, a payoff of some sort, but there there is a penalty for if the spouse is found cheating. Yes, you can have conditional provisions uh, that say that if this, then that. Like, for instance, uh, you can have a uh, prenup that says, I'm a lawyer, you know, you're a struggling actress, um, if we get divorced... Uh, I'm going to pay you X amount. However, if you get a million dollars per movie, you know, during the last year of our marriage, I owe you nothing. Or if I find out you've been 
unfaithful, you get, you know, only half of what I promised you. Those type of provisions, again, are generally enforceable unless they're unconscionable. Like, for instance, if I try and say, if I find that you have left the house without telling me exactly where you were going and you're 15 minutes late upon returning, you know, I get to deduct, you know, $1,000 from your support. Uh, Those would be considered unconscionable and not enforceable. Yep. Um, let's take the airlines, for example. There, there are anti-discrimination laws with regard to air- airlines. You might somebody, you might have someone who is an oversized passenger, but you cannot ask him or her their weight, even though they might be taking up more than their fair share, or they might even be taking up two seats. They are not required to pay for two seats. So, you know, we have those laws in place say, for example, in the airlines, but I routinely hear that guys are trying to put that into a prenup, meaning that you can't gain, that the spouse can't gain more than X amount of pounds, you know. Tell Um, us how that works. Is that something that's going to stick, or are they going to toss that out? I I would not even try that, because there are medical conditions and other provisions that may require someone to gain weight that they cannot control. And uh, in my humble opinion, that would be unconscionable, and I would never even negotiate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a weight or an appearance clause. Right. Now, you can do stuff that, you know, each spouse shall use their best efforts to uh, stay in good physical shape and stuff like that. And if you can, for some reason, show that, you know, this person was going to the gym three times the first five years – and now they haven't, and they've increased their caloric intake by, you know, uh, 200%, and, you know, they sit on the couch all day, you might have an argument. Hmm. Okay. And then let's visit the sound mind clause. Um, there was a very famous prenup, uh, the McCourts, who were the former owners of the Dodgers, and, uh, Actually, it turns out that the spouse, the female spouse, said, I didn't know what I was signing, even though she's an attorney herself. So they threw it out. They, they went along with what she said, that maybe she hadn't read it carefully or maybe she hadn't understood what she was signing in this prenup. But they surely, indeed, they threw it out. So what do you say with that? How do you protect yourself with that? Well, that's an interesting case for twofold. Number one. Uh, He had an attorney that represented him. She was an attorney, but she wasn't a family law attorney, so her expertise wasn't in that area. And I I believe that is the main reason that they threw it out was, number one, she was not independently represented. And number two, even if she is an attorney, she did not have the knowledge of the area of law that is applicable to this. Uh, which goes back to my very first point, is to ensure that each of you has your own attorney. Absolutely. And I will tell you that is not a guarantee because I have seen cases in which both parties are represented and one of the spouse attempts to still throw it out by undue influence, uh, either uh, claiming that the attorney did not zealously represent them or that they were in a fog of emotional dependence on the person that they agreed to everything and couldn't uh, basically uh, think for themselves in order to hear and do what the attorney was saying. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you can still have... Um sole representation, but it still can be thrown out that, oh, I didn't understand what I was signing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can have dual representation where both parties in it can still be thrown out. Less likely, but yeah. People always ask me, you know, can can I be sued? Yes, you can always be sued. Question is, is will they win? Now, right. if the other party is, if both parties are represented by an attorney, it's going to be very difficult for them to throw that out. Not impossible, but very difficult. But if one of you has an attorney and the other doesn't, or you both don't, it's going to be very difficult to enforce. Right. 
So dual attorneys and sound mind aside, I still hear that some of these clauses or cases get thrown out. And one very uh, high-profile case, what he did was, is he wanted to be sure she was of sound mind. So he, firstly, had her go to a psychologist and agree to being videotaped. And the psychologist evaluated whether this person was of sound mind and knew the document, knew the contents of the document that she was signing. And then, later on, uh, when it came time for the actual signing of the prenup, um, he had everybody's attorney present along with the videographer again just to make sure that she knows exactly what she's doing, that don't come back to me five years later to say, oh, I didn't understand. Um, you know, it's now on videotape. So um, apparently he's done this a couple of times, and his prenups have, have uh, taken hold and have been upheld in court. Uh, is that an extra measure, extra beyond measure, or should most guys do this? Um, well, if you, can, <laughs> if you can afford it, absolutely do it. Um, the more evidence you have that the person is of sound mind and fully understands and has been properly represented by their own attorney, the better off you will be. There is no question about it. Um, but what I also want to make sure that we cover is that if you go through all that and you have a wonderfully designed and signed prenup, there are still things you can do post-marriage that can impact the enforceability of that prenup. Mm. There are situations where, for instance, uh, one husband told his wife that once their first child was born, he would tear up the prenup agreement and it would no longer be enforced. Okay. Okay, now this is after they had already signed the prenup. Okay? Mm -hmm. And the first child was born and he didn't and so the court threw it out. Ah. So it was a it was a verbal uh suggestion to the wife that after or, yeah. or was that part in writing was, as well? No, that wasn't in writing. And at least according to the case, he really didn't deny it. The question okay. was was whether his verbal representations could impact or affect the prenup and the court said yes, it can. So, right. you you know, when you do a prenup, you've got to be a little bit careful not to change it, meaning not say anything like, oh, honey, don't you ever worry. I'm never going to leave you that that um, prenup uh, doesn't mean a thing to me. We, we, I would always be fair. You know, all that stuff will come back and that will challenge the enforceability of many of those provisions. Got it. All right. Is there ever an incidence where a prenup is not necessary? Uh, it's really up to the parties. I mean, obviously, the younger you are and the less you have, the less you really are concerned about. Um, because most everything that you will acquire will be community property and acquired during marriage. And you will have... Uh, the law to tell you exactly how it should be divided. Um, you know, it's not uh, a guarantee, but obviously the less you have, the less likely there's going to be an argument. The only time you really get into an argument is when one or both parties start to acquire a lot. There are a lot of, I did an awful lot of default um divorces where both parties were broke you know and right. they, a prenup a prenup did nothing neither of them could have afforded to uh either get one or you know possibly pay uh after the divorce for anything um so i i won't ever say that a prenup is never necessary um it really depends on the couple it depends on their financial stability at the time. Uh, a lot of it uh, depends on their potential, too. For instance, uh, you might have someone who's in law school or in medical school getting married to somebody who's uh, a waiter or a waitress. 
Um, and they both may have absolutely nothing at that time. But the potential for one is astronomical. Right. So you want to make sure that you want to carry it. Right. My main reason for suggesting a prenup is because I know that couples don't talk about hard issues. You know, some, some couples are required to go to, to religious counseling or, or maybe they voluntarily want to go to psychotherapy or whatever just to kind of seal the deal. But I know that most of the time, most people don't go into these areas. So my suggestion um, from my book, Mastering Women, which you can find on Amazon in the uh, ebook format and also paper, uh, paperback, is there's a section in there called Are You Headed for a Divorce Court? And it lays out the eight different areas of divorce court, meaning topics like assets, debts, real estate, business, child custody, personal property, pets, insurance, taxes, like all this kind of stuff. And what you do is you you look at that chapter, you look at those subjects, and then you work backwards. Make sure you're, you're make sure you're on the same page with those issues with your intended. And if you're really divergent, um, don't marry her. You know, so just be sensible about this. It forces forces your hand and forces you to. Um, discuss those very important topics. Thank you, everybody, for joining our show today. Um, I want to thank my guest, Michael W. Brown. I'll put his links on my Facebook fan page. If you like the show, please show your love. Listen, call, like our fan page, follow, comment, share, tell a friend, download my new app, and buy my books on Amazon. We will see you each and every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks very much. Till then. Thanks, Michael. Thank you.